Welcome everyone, Tim Winders here, your host. If you're joining us for the first time, this is where we redefine success in business, leadership, and in ministry. If you're coming back to us, glad you're here. You may recognize I'm in kind of a different spot, not in the passenger seat of the RV. It's going to be fun because I'm actually in a little bit more of an open place. So we might have visitors join us. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But uh, man, I'm excited about this conversation today. Intentional growth, two words that I really love. We're going to dig deep into those today and talk about a lot of other stuff, family business, uh, growing companies, valuing companies, things like that. We're going to have a great conversation. Get to that in just a moment. want to remind you that over at our website, seekgocreate.com, extensive detailed notes on everything we discuss here. If we mention a book, if we mention a link, if we mention a resource, all of that will be in outline form with timestamps over at seekgocreate.com. Make sure you go over there while you're there. Make sure you give us your best email address so that you stay updated on all that's happening here at Seek Go Create. Today we have Ryan Tansom as our guest, and he's got big, huge, long bio. I'm just going to say this. He's an entrepreneur, educator, speaker, and a fellow podcast host. Ryan, welcome to Seat Go Create. Tim, thanks for having me on. Very excited to be here. I am excited that you're here too. I'm excited that we're able to pull this off even in my <laughs> odd space. But it looks good though, for those that aren't- I, I, I love it. <laughs> he actually, he had, before we got started, he commented about some books behind me. I said, I, I have no idea what's behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting on what's like a little sofa and my computer and microphones on an ottoman. It's not on a desk. <laughs> I feel like so your sofa's got flower uh, patterns on it would be my guess. It could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> hey, Ryan, we just bumped into each other, which we did uh, on a plane, out, out and about business, whatever. And I say, hey, Ryan, what do you do? When someone asks you that, what do you tell them? I tell them that I make making the journey of being a business owner and entrepreneur worth it by helping them grow the value of their company to create choices and actually get the freedom that they wanted when they originally started the business. Um, and it's through education and fractional CFO services. Uh, journey, choices, freedom, education, man, those are some good words there. So, uh, so I think we're going to have fun with this. Um, I, I think what I'd love to do is start off with just a little bit of background and, uh, you know, with our theme here, redefining success, one of the things we, we love to do is poke at what, what the traditional definitions of success are, mm -hmm. you know, things like money in the bank, cars in the garage, stuff like that, which we, we're not against any of that. But many times we use that to measure. You actually came up in a family business, which I've done business with family and a lot of people listening in. I know we've got people I specific, no listeners that have family business. Tell me a little bit about that. How'd that come to be? Give me a little bit of background on that business. And, you know, what are some pros and cons? <laughs> well, I'll notice, yeah, notice how I threw yeah, that. Do you see how yeah, I threw yeah. that in? <laughs> Um, I'll say that uh, I, I like the, the the container of the question, Tim, because um, it's very interesting. My entire journey, what I like to help people with too, is actually redefining success. Like, what is your actual goal? It's the kind of the entire point behind the the phrase of intentional growth, shifting that that kind of long term view. And it came from us, me and my dad, not really understanding what are our goals um, back when we had the business. And so I'll give it. I'll, I'll do the cliff note version, Timmy. I think the backstory is helpful because it's truly the canvas that I started what I'm doing now on. And uh, 
My dad mortgaged our house back in the early 90s and bought $250,000 of used Panasonic copiers and uh, had 30-day terms and never looked back. <laughs> and so he had one employee, and this is after, you know, trying to figure out how to, you know, he had a couple other journeys, uh, ventures before that. Anyways, Tim, I mean, he's a the typical copier salesperson you would have met back, you know, 10, 20, or 20, 20, 30 years ago. And sold all of them. And over the course of the next 10 years, he scaled up to 21 million, 115 employees. I worked on the business my entire life, Tim. So you talk about a family business. I mean, I was helping to move buildings back in the nineties. I was helping back when copiers weren't plugged into the network. They used to have this thing like that was an odometer and I'd have to be the part of the, I was on the billing team where I'd call people I'm like, Hey, what's the meter read? And then like, think about this sales pitch. Like, Hey, why don't you tell me what your number is on your copiers? So that way I can bill you. Let's just put it this way. Not a lot of people are excited for those phone calls. Anyways, so throughout this entire process, Tim, I, my my dad grew the business and then he got into a bunch of personal stuff that he was going through uh, and a bunch of personal journeys that trickled into the business. And that's very common for a you know a founder-led, entrepreneur-led business. So he kept uh, having our, our CEO at that time continue to do more and more work. I get involved in the business and decided to join full-time in 09. My dad had been very distant for like five years, uh, Tim. And it's, it's important because the CEO essentially recruited me. And in 09, we all know that it was a tough year for a lot of people. I ended up kind of pulling my dad back into the business as I was working in it. And um, he pulled me into all the CPA and bank meetings at that time. And again, we were about 115 employees, uh, 21 million in revenue, three locations. And we find out that we lost $940,000 in 09. And you got, you, it's like, okay, we got a choice to make. And first of all, it's like, what are we, what are we doing here? Why are we doing this? What's going to make it worth it? Like, what should we do? Should we double down? Should we not? Should we like, you know, all the questions that people probably thinking and I listen in or thinking, and we decided to do what most people decide is we doubled down. And over the course of the next five and a half years, Tim, it was everything, man. Like of like, so we sold two branches for cash. Um, I ended up having to turn around about 60% of the employees, um, we built out a new accounting ERP system. I built out the managed IT and software automation side the uh, offerings, and then we rebranded so we could go head to head with all the other players that were out competing us at that point. Just a slog, Tim. Just very, very challenging. All to hit the two hundred forty thousand of payroll every two weeks, right? You can't not, you can't miss that. It's the sacred cow. Point is, we got to this point where we then we had turned the business around, nice seven figure EBITDA, and it was like, well, what's this all for? My dad was like, I, I want out. I don't want to talk about the company anymore, the, the products, the services. I mean, he had, he, had, he had to come back in. But we got to this point where the, the Groundhog Day conversation in, out oh, is it worth it? Should we sell or not sell? Sell or not sell? For, I mean, for like a year and a half. It's exhausting for everybody because there was no clear answer of like, is this obvious or not? Should we or shouldn't we? Because we hadn't defined success, Tim. Because what are we solving for and it, it never figured itself out. So with that feeling of trapped, we just ended up after a year and a half, we ended up taking it to market. And then out of the two or three offers, we picked the highest number because there was no criteria for success. The highest number came with us having to fire 60 out of our 90 employees the day we sold, paying a lot of taxes, and then me sitting in a, in a cube next to an intern going, what the heck? just happened there and they had a different strategy with their business and like strategically how they were delivering services to their clients than we did so there's a mismatch just a lot of this whole thing of like after all of that risk and all of that that we had gone through the whole point of dealing with that as an entrepreneur in my mind is to have more control and freedom if you don't why are you doing that 
And so I just realized at the at the, like the Super Bowl of our entrepreneurial career, we weren't in control of our own destiny because we haven't we hadn't clarified what is the goal and the multidimensional nature of that goal. And how do we decide on the things that are in front of us to keep us on track? We didn't know the point A, we didn't know the point B. So we were kind of just going with the whim of decisions and kind of, I, I don't, I, I struggle with the word regret, Tim, because I really enjoy my life and what I'm doing now, but it was like lessons learned and I would have mechanically done them differently, but I wouldn't go back and redo them. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Let me ask something real quick here, just because we'll have fun with this. I think along the way also. I, I'm, I, we're, I'm excited about talking about intentional growth. I've got some notes here. We're going to have fun with it. And I know you've got a structure and a plan in place, and we're going to talk about clarity and vision, all that cool stuff. I want to go negative though, before we do that. Oh, have I, have, I have this theory that often we have to be put in situations like you were put in before we even have a clue what that clarity might be. Mm. I wish that weren't the case. <laughs> so tell me, tell me, what do you think? I mean, you mentioned regrets and I'm with you because I've got stories I could tell. We mm -hmm. all do. How, how do we get clarity without realizing the things we absolutely don't want to do? That is the silver, not the silver bullet, but that is the golden question, isn't it? And I and I do agree with your your statements on that. And the book Conversations with God talks about relativity. And I'm essentially this huge believer that relativity is the only thing that allows us to understand who we are. So like there's only you can either go through experiences and be like, that sucked, that didn't, that sucked, that didn't. And then you just modify your behavior and your plans accordingly. However, well, I, I'm gonna absolutely butcher Tim the quote, but it's like it's wisdom versus knowledge versus experience, you know, like, or like essentially, what is it, Tim? Is it something like along the lines where true knowledge is, you can't do anything with knowledge, but wisdom is learning for other people's failures and kind of avoiding them. So there's a, there's something there where you can learn from other people's experiences by seeing yourself as the hero in that hero's journey and then incorporating it. But that doesn't completely answer your question because sometimes you still have to just hit the bottom of the pool with your nose to, I, to just go back up. I think the cool thing, and I love, I love that you started off with the word journey. That's one thing I wrote down right when you got started, Ryan. Because I think at one point in my business career, I was under the impression that success was a destination, mm -hmm. that it wasn't a journey, that when I got to a certain income level you know, structured in my business, whatever, that I would be like arrive and then I would relax and kick back. And mm -hmm. you know how that goes, you know, where that story goes. But the, the fact that it's a journey, I still do think that with things like the, the, the roadmap, and we're going to talk about intentional growth and the things y'all have, I think it helps guide along the journey, but it doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. <laughs> Maybe that's the best way to say. Right. I mean, and I think there's, there, we can, we can, we, we could talk about these topics for days, Tim. Like this is, I love this world too, uh, in this space too. Cause like the five principles and what I built is how to actually accomplish the things that we're talking about too. So like we could, they're more mechanical, but it took me a long time to build them, but it's more of addressing these problems. And the reason I like the, the, the word journey is because it's the truth, right? I mean, like, and there's some of these books that I've already mentioned where it's like, what's the point of living? Like, why are we here? Like I'm, I was that kid in school. Like, why are we here? What's this for? 
and I just never get good answers. So then I just keep pulling the thread and like, until I get a good answer. And so I think that the, what happened is after we sold, it's kind of the whole thing that's re retirement, which I think is the false notion. And I think a lot of people are figuring that out and the baby boomers on the front end of this wave are going to be continuously proving our point, my guess. And then Tim, what's really fascinating is my podcast uh, was actually called life after business as the first title for four years prior to renaming it intentional growth. And it was all about what the heck do we do once we've sold the business? I actually had the halftime Institute on from success to significance, right? So there's Bo Burlingham's book, finish big talks about 75% of entrepreneurs are unhappy after they sell, regardless of how much money they made. And then over and over and over, I got proved that all, all that was true on my podcast. People would come in and they're worth a hundred million dollars or you sold for a billion or maybe it was a million, whatever it was. It was this, I wish I would have known what the business meant to my life because I had an amazing life. I just needed to monetize my asset or like, you know, there, you know, some people don't like their job too, but point is, is the whole point of life is the journey. Like we actually learn more about ourselves through our experiences in life. And if we can intentionally take inventory of those good and bad experiences, then we can intentionally design more and more of the experiences that we like. <laughs> like, why don't we, why don't we want that? Right. And so I think it's really just the freedom of being able to hang out with the people we want to, to talk about the things that we want to for as long as we want without having to sacrifice things that we've built so we can be more of ourselves. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you're talking to the guy who lives in an RV and travels, has been traveling <laughs> for 10 years. <laughs> I'm with you, man. Yeah, right. you, you mentioned earlier, you were, you were going down a path and I kind of steered you about, you, you don't necessarily want to say you regret something or, and I think this feeds into this journey conversation, but I think is, I think where you were going with that, if not, you could correct me, was you were going to say, if, if, if I knew now, mm -hmm. if I knew then what I know now, I may have done this differently way back, way back mm -hmm. when. And I think if someone doesn't have that story, I'd love to interview them. Truthfully, that would be, even though it'd be pr pretty boring. <laughs> you just took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, it would probably be the most boring interview ever. <laughs> let me, let me give you something that popped in my head. This is kind of the way I flow here. Yeah. A few weeks ago, I was at the Grand Canyon. And every time I go to one of these places like the Grand Canyon, I'm sitting here thinking about the first guy or girl or group or whatever that came upon that. They're traveling somewhere and they get to the Grand Canyon. Bummer. Depending on what age we're in, or would we have cars and, and boats and, and I mean, planes well, yet? Well, yeah. I mean, you know what they got? They're I know, right? Horses, like a horse, or maybe, foot <laughs> or something, or in a canoe or something. And they're sitting here going, "Oh no, we can't get across this obstacle." They just discovered the Grand Canyon. Right? Isn't that interesting? That's a great perspective. So I'm sitting here, and and we our RV now is parked back in near Zion National Park, stunning. I'm thinking, what about the first people that saw that? So while it's not quite as spectacular, what you went through, what I went through, what our listeners go through, it's a Grand Canyon probably experienced many times. It seems ugly when we're in the midst of it. But in looking back, 
My guess right. is intentional growth wouldn't exist today if it weren't for that. Is that correct or incorrect? That is perfectly well said, Tim. And what I have actually found out is, and this is me saying it because I am not, I try that like try my hardest to suppress my ego as much as possible. But it's uh, one of the, I think the unique um, threads that I've, or the, the, the needle that I've threaded is that I was a copier sales rep. I got a D in accounting and I teach finance now. Like that is God's way of laughing at me. And I'm teaching finance, not just to entrepreneurs, but also to accountants and bankers because <laughs> it's in a way that makes sense. I remember sitting in my debits and credits through accounting class and like the one I got a D in, like, why are we doing this? And people are like, because of the debit and the credit. And I'm like, that just doesn't make any sense to me. And like, so I think it's this interesting point, Tim, where like, I didn't have all, like, I, I built the business I wish I would have been able to find 10 years ago and it didn't exist. So I had to build it. So I think to your point, the, 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 the actual, the, the direct answer is absolutely, but it's also the thing that makes it even more unique than just hey, another service that's out there. It's it's something that actually has got some traction because there was a gap in the marketplace. And I wouldn't have known that other than going, I'm thinking about my, I got six and a half year old twin girls. So can't go over it. Can't go. <laughs> so whatever that, uh, that bear going on a bear hunt is. And it's like you, you, the Grand Canyon is a magnificent place, but you don't know that until it's put into perspective of what you've got. That's right. I mean, some of those first folks said, dang, we got this big ditch in the way. We can't keep going. <laughs> so, so were you being groomed for the family business or, or did, or did you yeah. stumble? So you were, you were sort of being groomed. Did that have anything to do with your grades? Um, no, actually, I think it has, a, uh, you are, you earned earn those, you earned them, um, earned my B's and C's. Um, <laughs> uh, actually let's talk this is an interesting, uh, interesting path we can take here for a second. Cause I think actually the more and more I continue to reflect on my early childhood, it wasn't just the business experience, Tim, that, that morphed this or that evolved into our company, but I was not a good student. My wife and the people around me now are pretty convinced that I'm a version of dyslexic. I don't know if that's true or not. For sure, ADHD. A lot of the typical entrepreneur quality is. And again, I would even to just counteract any narratives that people are going through have in their head. I don't know if ADHD is actually a clinical problem or if it's just someone's not interested in what's in front of them. And people like me that have lots of energy being forced to do things that are boring. <laughs> so like, there's a whole like I, I want to put all that debate over there just saying that i was not suited for sit down for eight hours regurgitate black and white pictures of guys with wigs about history because i'd go well why does this matter and they'd be like because like i if you want to get me onto a 10-year tangent to find, find an answer just tell me because and leave me in a room mm -hmm. so i think it was that experience tim where it was it, it was the when my dad told me because my dad was the same way i guess going back to your point that was very similar to my dad. My dad barely graduated high school. He went to 90 days of college and he said he ran out of booze and uh, pizza money. So then he, he was like, I got to go sell something and I don't have any good grades. So um, what my dad told me from day one, Tim, was if you're good to people, you bring value and you can sell and have an emotional intelligence, you can do whatever you want. And that was his, it, now I look back, it was his way of almost pumping himself up because of the journey he was on. But just, just telling me the truth, the universal truth he found in the world, which is I created a $21 million business and I was, I barely graduated high school. So like, 
he was, I I was the first person on both sides to go to college. So it was like, Hey, like get a degree, make sure you can pay for your own bills. (laughs) That was, that was essentially it. Plus be nice to people. And as long as you can provide value, you'll be fine. So that was really, it wasn't for the business, Tim. And he was very distant from the business when I went into it. So what happened was, is like truly the, the GM at that time wanted me to come work for him because managed print with solutions in quotes. It's not, it's just smaller copiers with printing. <laughs> so I got a hook, line and sinker into this for a different reason. And then everything kind of like had to happen for the right, for, for the turnaround, but it wasn't for Ryan, oldest son, you know, going to get the throne kind of thing. It was more just stumbled into it by happenstance. Mm-hmm. Was there any other family members or just, or are you the only family member that came along? Uh, sister tried to work for my dad for 12 or 18 months. That did not go well. Brother tried to get multiple jobs. Uh, showing up is kind of part of the deal. So that, that didn't go very well. And then uh, my, my wife actually was our marketing director for, I think like 18 months too. She quit randomly. And then she told me that night. And so all of the challenges that come with a family business, I always joked around. I was like, Tim, I should have had one of those reclining couches with like the half half arm. And I could have been billing 175 bucks an hour while also doing my job. Yeah, it's time. I mean, we, we I've dealt with some family interaction. And, you know, I, I think what we do at times, we we're we're tied together in ways we wouldn't be if it was just an employee <laughs> relationship, obviously. I think sometimes we have higher standards if they're family. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's lower standards if they're families. <laughs> and uh, sometimes there's no standards if they're family. <laughs> I've seen it where people are on the payroll and they, they've never stepped foot in the building before. <laughs> so the biggest struggle that I, that I saw, and I'll kind of ask this and you can say what you want to, is that when it comes time for the partnership or the business to end, be sold, be done, it actually did cause some issues within our family because of the way we needed to end it. And we were in real estate heading into 08. It, it didn't end well. I don't have to give the details of that story, but how was it, was it an okay finish? I mean, obviously there was a payday and some Mm -hmm. people would say, Oh, if it was a payday, it was great. I don't, that's not, I don't, I don't accept that totally. So any, can you share anything about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I like how you framed up that there's, there's a gray answer there, depending on what people want. Everybody's different. Yep. Um, I would say, so remind me to come back because there's now concepts and filters, Tim, that will avoid a lot of this conflict. Um, I don't believe that my dad and I, relationship wise would have been able to figure it out. My dad is like all intents and purposes. My dad, my best friend, mentor, mentor, like we're both each other's mentors and mentees. We're friends. I mean, like it's the amount, the amount of times I tried to quit over the years was ridiculous. I mean, and then finally we ended up hiring a consultant. Like what hats are you wearing? Okay. Now I'm wearing my friend hat. Now I'm wearing my dad hat. And like, so we, and I should say, from my perspective, I cherish that relationship so much that I wasn't willing to give up ever, even though it sucked many times. And he would say the same thing. <laughs> okay, I can nobody imagine trying to manage my 24-year-old self. Like, no thanks. So I say that like there it ended well. And here's so that's the direct answer to your question, because we didn't have to try and figure this out for 10 years, like a lot of family businesses. We had this hard sever. 
And then we had to redefine who we were and who our relationship was after that, Tim. And I'm grateful beyond belief that that had to happen because there's still, I mean, one of the only few businesses that does what I do with a comic combination, our company, I don't think we would have been able to figure it out because there weren't the tools and resources necessary for us to figure out. Now I believe that there are ways to do that, but I see like, that's I, what I see a lot of the family businesses. The tension and emotion and conflict is so great. Selling this son of a gun and collecting whatever it's worth is way more practical than severing the family relationships, which is a wealth destruction that doesn't have to happen because people don't have the tools to talk about what are we trying to solve for here? I love the thought. And we're, I think we're probably time to dive into some things with intentional growth. There's a few big questions I want to ask, but I love the thought of, I think Covey said, begin with the end in mind. And that is that there will be an exit. I think what we see is so many people, you mentioned vision and clarity. We talk a good bit about that. I think we'll talk about it more here. I think so many people, they just start <laughs> and it kind of gets going. And then they look up and go, what do I have here? And listen, there, there's so examples. True. There's examples of success all over the, I mean, success, air quotes mm -hmm. here, all over the place of people that did that. I mean, you know, I'm sitting here, Facebook popped to mind. I mean, I'm not sure that Zuckerberg was that much of a visionary in that dorm room in Harvard where he was. I mean, he just, I think he was ticked off is the way the origin story is. It's some girls and stuff and wanted to, I don't think he envisioned the meta. <laughs> or anything like that. I and I mean, and maybe he wishes he could back up and re reset some of that now, but I'm, I'm not so sure that a lot of folks get that. That's one of the reasons I went back to the question earlier of sometimes you have to go through a, I don't even mm -hmm. want to call it a failure, a, just a, a situation or two, a grand mm -hmm. Canyon, or you see a big ditch and go, huh, you know what, this thing could be something in the mm -hmm. future here. Maybe I need to make note of it. So um, anyway, but how important is it for someone to consider that they may want to end, shut down, sell, exit. We'll start with that as we move into talking intentional growth. Yeah. How, how important is it? Because I, I I work with executives, owners, very similar to you. We, I just had one that had an exit last year. I have one that we're looking at it now. And I'm not really an exit specialist. But when you start building a good company, it naturally, naturally leads comes to up. that. Yep. So, but how important is it? I mean, someone might be listening and going, I never want to exit. I do not want to. And they're 53 years old and they've got four kids that are salivating, thinking about, you know, <laughs> what's happening next. Where's the money, dad, mom? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so here, here's before I will get to the answer and I'm going to layer okay. on some concepts first, because that's how we're going to process this question. Good. As you can see, I'm back to my old self, right? Like why we have to put context. I, I, I pretty much have to like get the container of context. Then we can answer questions and it probably pisses a lot of people off. But when I get, I get dozens of calls every single week, Tim, of people saying, I want out. And so this is going to get to you. Should we start with the exit in mind? Cause people say, I want out. And I'm like, out of what Tim, your job that you get a W2 paycheck for, or your financial asset that has equity and dividends from it. And people look at me because they have never usually been challenged with that question because they haven't thought about it like that. So my, my, my whole deal is like, you can keep 
you're like, you have a whole plan of what you want to do with your leadership role. You could evolve from, you know, a CEO or you, you could go from a president to a CEO back to an engineer, president to a CEO. I'm now the chief revenue officer where I speak. I have a CEO. I don't want to do that. <laughs> so like, what do you want for your leadership role? And then what do you want for your asset? Because like you can monetize your asset in so many different ways. And there's not a direct correlation between your leadership role and your asset. And this, this is what I was saying when my dad and I, we didn't have any of these tools, like this, these concepts to talk about. Because when someone says, I want out, it's like, I don't what? So when you say that someone says, I never want to exit. Exit out of what, man? So do if we can we can continue later on because like then it's like I can't answer that question unless I know you're talking about your job or the asset and then I usually clarify it to him with out of those dozens of calls each week there's been zero that have called me up and said hey Ryan I want out of my mailbox money that's a million bucks because I'm in my motorhome traveling all over the place and no one needs me because I don't have a W-2 paycheck in my asset that I get distributions for while also owning the equity. It's usually, Ryan, I want out. My employees suck. The suppliers suck. I'm sick of inflation. Interest rates are going up too much. We've got margin compression. That's a CEO job that has to worry about that. So do we want out of our job or our asset or both? And then we can start building a plan and uncovering. Is it your life experience that's different? Is your financial situation that you want to be different you start to pull on though what are we trying to solve for here mm. and sounds like i i get this a lot i'm sure you get this what people will often want out of are the headaches the hassles the high blood pressure the the heart condition that i have because of all the stress and and i think that goes back to how you have defined all that you're working on now so let me hit you with the two words that you use, mm -hmm. and, and then I'm going to let you unpack that, and I want to dive into it. And if we and, have and time, that'll also your question will probably get more specifically to then the uh, yes. the exit the exit question too. Good, good, you because because I, I wrote down um, the two things you said concepts and and all because I want to mm -hmm. I want to get to at least some of the five principles, but I want to talk about intentional growth. Those two words are uh, first of all they. When I hear the word intentional, all, all kind of things well up inside me. When I hear the word growth, all kind of things well up inside me. Uh, sometimes there's some things that I'm questioning, like, well, what about this? What about this? But tell me in your words, where did those come from? G give me what you believe mm -hmm. intentional means and growth. And why did you put those two together for, for what you're working on now? Awesome. I will start with our definition. So I'll start with what it actually is. And this came from me interviewing hundreds of people after I named the renamed the podcast Tim and I asked people what does that mean to you so I just synthesized what everybody what everybody said and intentional growth is taking purposeful action towards a clearly defined outcome so we know how our decisions today are impacting what we clearly want in the future the second part was just more of a continued explanation but sure. clearly okay. clearly clearly identified outcome and purposeful action on the way there. So where that came from with you talking about the combination of the words, I'll, I'll try and tighten up the story because it was like, it's about an eight year journey. So, and this actually is going to answer your exit question too. Do we start with the end in mind? So here's the deal. <laughs> I found this out after a lot of money and a lot of pain is 
so because I sold, I lasted sixty days at the buyer's uh, at the buyer's place, and then I was like, I got to go solve this problem. Like, what the heck happened to me? So it was like personal experience, probably similar various reasons that you started what you're doing. Like, I got to learn what happened, and then also like, hopefully, I can also then teach and help people on the, along the way. Our as I started kind of new, I was consulting a bunch and I was noodling on these five principles. It was six and it was the, the, the infrastructure of this framework, Tim, came from me wanting to take the complicated, making it simple. Going back to my childhood, the education of like, I want something out of life. How do I think about the decisions that are in front of me to make sure that I, the purposeful action today is keeping me clearly on track towards that outcome that I want? So what happened was uh, these five principles started coming around and they were originally called the growth and exit planning principles. So after four, almost five years of misery, barely growing the business, having a one-stop shop of one shingle being me consulting shop, essentially every person minus maybe 2%, so not every 98% of the people I interact with hate the word exit visceral reaction hate it it's the same thing as estate planning retirement planning might as well pick out your tombstone and your you know your casket everyone hates it man and it was like and what it hit me like uh, like i it didn't hit me as fast as it should have because like i said it took almost five years but i was sitting down in front of a client and we have we have training programs and then we have services right and we had this boot camp coming up and he's like right i can't wait to go I can't put your binder on my desk in my office. I was like, holy crap, you're right. He goes, everybody's going to think I'm selling the business. It's And it's the same thing I thought. I was trying to avoid having all the suits be saw when I, well, they were coming in and out of the business while we were going through the process. And I'm like, and now I can quickly say why I think that is that everybody hates is because running a business sucks up cash. Most people don't feel rich. So they don't feel like it's worth what they should be worth. They don't feel like they're on track. They don't know how to exit. They don't know the various options. They don't know how valuations work. So this massive sense of anxiety is coming from hoping, hoping that everything's going to work out. But if they truly start to educate and explore exits and all that stuff, everybody's going to freak out. So then they don't. So like there's this massive like gap in the marketplace. So like the people that need help so what I was finding, Tim, is the people that were get, I was attracting were the people that wanted to put lipstick on a pig of their company and sell it in 60 to 90 days for the retirement amount. When I'm like, you have a pig. Lipstick is not going to help it. And then the people I wanted to work with were like, I'm not planning on exiting. <laughs> I was like, I built the least scalable company in the entire world. And I'm attracting the people I don't want and detracting the people I want. Well, isn't that a success? And Tim, I have notebooks after notebooks for years of like, how do I get the point across that you have to build value on the way there to have the exit or the choices that you want? And I was in Arizona. It was actually March of 2020 before everybody shut down. And intentional came because it was end. Of, and I, we actually had the phrase begin with the end of mind, Stephen Covey. And it's like, and it was actually so diluted of what people thought of that like strategic planning culture all you know leadership like there was so ambiguous that it was like hey if i want to grow i want it to be worth it right whatever that means for everybody and intentional is like hey it's thought through and growth so it's like because it's scaling up i mean i've had people in my pockets that have scaled up to bankruptcy well, that's not the outcome i want so it, it summarized intentional growth, 
put the current day of growth and the long-term into one phrase. And then it was able to like kind of get the whole point across. If you need to think through what the heck you're doing right now. The, the tough thing with that word exit, um, kind of odd situation. My dad passed away the end of last year and we're right now here with, uh, with my mother-in-law who's could be close to a, a, a situation it's exit is like the word death. Mm -hmm. People just don't want to talk about it. It's got a little bit of a taboo. Mm -hmm. It would be so nice if when a company forms up, they start talking about exit or transition or next, whatever early on, but we can't. It's so fascinating when you mentioned the guy can't even put the notebook on his desk because if someone walks by, I I have a client right now who the executive team, we're talking a little bit of strategy around what happens if they do an ESOP or a trend, you know, something mm -hmm. like that. But, you know, we, we can't really discuss it with uh, employees and things like that. And so, so I, I get that. That's, that's very interesting. Couple of things. Intentional to me is a much more positive way than exit. In some ways, exit means quit death. or stop yeah yeah death i mean death it's truly the, the final result right it's a negative <laughs> it's a negative marketing word where today yeah. intentional is more positive is that what you're seeing it is and i'll, I'll continue to unpack when you, you were saying like what is it and how does this all work it actually is like the, the thread and it goes back to your point or your original question of should we think about the exit when we start and i want it in this so this will lead us into the five principles if you want but it's another concept it's like what do you want tim what are we solving for? Is it lifestyle? Is it the interactions? Is it impact? Is it money? Like we, you have to think through that. I can't think through that for you. And it's multidimensional. It's, and that's principle one and two, your vision and the financial targets. It's two sides of the same coin. But before we get to that, Tim, there are three big takeaways out of the intentional growth principles and out of the concept of intentional growth of view and run your company like a financial asset. That's our tagline. It's not what intentional growth means, but that's if you're applying intentional growth, you're viewing and running the company like a financial asset. And you have three things that you've really clarified. The first one is, you know, who you are and what you want from the business and why. The second thing is that you have clarified your target equity, hugely important for your target equity valuation at a point in time that you want and the income that you want on the way to that valuation target, Tim. So like through salary and distributions, because you can make money on the way to that valuation. And then the third takeaway is how you want your leadership role to evolve on the way to that target equity valuation. So through those three takeaways, we've identified what we want and why. We've identified our target equity valuation and the income we want on the way there. So we've split off the asset. And then the third takeaway is we understand that our leadership role can evolve on the way there, point is, we've completely eradicated the phrase exit in any of the top marketing of this stuff because if you are growing a valuable asset by growing the equity, just like you would in your house or a commercial real estate investment, you're growing equity, then you can monetize that in a tax efficient way when it's right for you without blowing up your life. And you know what? It's a really interesting way to just hammer this exit word right into the ground. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Avoid it. Well, know, what it does is it gives you options. You know, you mentioned freedom at the beginning that that's freedom having options. 
Whereas most people, most companies, most businesses, I would venture to say, if we were to guesstimate how many businesses out there have gone through these three items to any degree of thought process. Right. I, I've interacted with a lot of business people through the years. I would say, I don't know, a handful <laughs> right, or less maybe. And they may have done it by accident. They may have brought someone in like you or me or some other folks. They saw to, Grand Canyon, Tim. <laughs> That's probably the, the only Grand reason. Canyon, they went, dang, <laughs> yeah. look at that ditch, man. That's just in the way here. So <laughs> but, can't but, believe but, that but, ditch. Yeah. The last point of that is if private equity, if your audience is familiar with that, yes, they don't exit plan. They buy assets, grow them, and sell them in a tax-efficient manner. Yeah, yeah. But before we jump into the principles, I'd love for you to talk about that word growth because it very similar to intentional, I think, in our current culture, our current world, especially the business world, the word intentional is probably thrown around a little too much, and the word growth is probably thrown around a little too much. I think many people grow for some kind of growth sake. I don't know if they know what they're measuring, things like that. But talk about growth before we get into some of the principles in the time we have left. I'll speak at it from my perspective, because everybody's got their own definition of those yeah. two, which is kind of the self-authoring version of like what we're doing here is helping yeah. people clarify whatever that means to them. To me, growth with with intentional as part of it makes sense, Tim. Like growth, and this is like scale, grow to what? <laughs> it's like, it, and it's just so empty. And so like the word grow to me was missing something. Same thing with the word intentional. So like actually like the two words combined. And so like, I was like in a lot of my workshops, keynotes and such, I always go like, hey, what's your goal? People go 10 million, 25 million. And I'm like, dude, I owed a, a company that, had did 21 million in revenue. We lost 940 grand. If we would have sold it, we would have owed the bank money. I don't think that that's a really solid goal because it's not going to get you to your destination. But so we're growing. We're growing. <laughs> yeah. We have some awesome so social media campaigns and we, we won an award that we submitted for ourselves that we paid for. I mean, all that kind of crap, man. And for me, growth is Pushing yourself, it, I mean, uh, Shana Core's uh, version of happiness, definition of happiness and kind of the conversations with God stuff, Tim, is uh, happiness is the joy we experience in pursuit of our fullest potential. Like, I think every human being listening in right now knows if you're not hitting your fullest potential, the only person that knows is you. And that usually manifests in the form of resentment, depression, anxiety, whatever the heck it is. And if you come up with a noble aim of like, hey, where am I trying to take my life? The business becomes an amazing vehicle to accomplish whatever you want out of your life. And it can't be just, it can't be just intangibles because you have to pay your bills. And if you have a nonprofit, you're going to have to go raise the money from the greedy capitalists if you didn't make your own money. So like at some point, it's like aligning, like for me, growth means all of the things that are important for me are synced up aiming towards something that I want, knowing that there's going to be Grand Canyons on the way, but because I've got the target, I've got the principles that are important to me, I can navigate the canyons and recognize what's good and what's bad, What's because there's relativity involved. Hmm. I love I love the theme of the Grand Canyon kind of keeps popping up here. <laughs> you did a good job, man. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's do this, Ryan, and the time we have left. Let's go ahead and dive in. We've got people that are... Uh, business owners, leaders, some ministry leaders that listen in. 
let's uh, let's do a mini class on these principles and just kind of help people get exposed to it, knowing that they'll be able to get some more info from you. And I know you've got some great resources that you're going to share as we wrap up, but uh, let's go ahead. I mean, I've got, you know, vision, the financial targets, the, uh, you know, the team of advisors. I'd love to find out more about that. You know, the value, growing value, and then the exit options that we talked about earlier that we started with. So uh, I'm going to just kind of leave it open to you. I might jump in from time to time for the next few yep. minutes, but but just give us a, a, a nice overview and with a few tips and pointers along the way that can help people out. Perfect, Tim. How would I do this? I'll explain each five in kind of a succinct way. And then you pull a thread that you want to follow because the, yeah. the main is as I'm getting into these five principles, they go in order on purpose. Kind of the And the reason I chose the word framework is because we're not pushing onto anybody what to do. A framework is like, hey, here's the outer edge. Use these to make decisions based on what you want. So these five principles, they go in order and they help reframe a question that someone might have. Should I exit? What should I do with my leadership role? Should I bring a partner on? Should I take more money out or should I reinvest? Like the decisions that we have every single day throw, getting thrown at us, Tim, the goal is to be able to synthesize those through a framework to say, I don't know, what. how should I answer this question? So that's the point of the five. And that's why they go in order because we stack the information on top of each other, like, like bricks in a, in a foundation. So the first one is your vision. What do you want from the business and why? It would have been so easy to start with the top line revenue. It would have been so easy to start with something else. But like, you know, honestly, it came out of my pure exhaustion of different uh, over the last almost 10 years of kind of consulting and all the other forms of what before the business was right, really around was I can't plan for you if you don't know what you want. <laughs> so inside of your vision of what do you want from the business? Well, why there's leadership versus ownership roles. We talk about the stakeholders that are reliant on the business and um, also the, like the leadership uh, stakeholders and something called the vision wheel of how your different areas of happiness rely on the business. Then that brings us to then the second principle. So if we know what we want and why out of our experience of running and being a business owner, then the second principle is like, hey, everything we want is potentially not possible. <laughs> so let's put on some numbers to it. And so there are three financial targets to measure and monitor while you own the business. And these three financial targets help you crystallize the business as an asset in your life. And really brings it into full picture. The first financial target is what is the target annual income that you want for the rest of your life? I'm going to make some numbers up here for the point of this example. Let's say it's 200 grand. And that could be coming from some salary, some distributions, maybe some other real estate income or whatever it is. But let's say we've got the peg, which is 200 grand. Tim wants 200 grand for the rest of his life. Okay. We have the second financial target, which is your outside net worth now and ongoing. And what that does, Tim, is brings our point A into clarity like where are you at right now tim you know what I mean? with your outside net worth like how like are you financially free right now or not along the way of your journey you will be financially free that doesn't mean you have to sell your business but let's know that while we own the business <laughs> let's not figure it out at the deal table afterwards so target annual income second one is outside net worth which then pops the value of the company all right that's the third tar th third target what is the value of the business the equity value today and what does the what is your target equity valuation at a point in time? So we've got your vision. Now we've figured out, okay, what does Tim want from the business and why? We've got his target financial, our three financial targets, target annual income, his outside net worth. We have the target equity valuation of the company pegged out there. 
Hey, Tim, what are the different ways you can monetize your asset? Exit options is principle number three. We still have it in there because you have, in order for you to be in control of your life and your journey, you should probably know the different ways that your journey could unfold, right? <laughs> Otherwise, how would you know? You're just guessing. So there are five internal transfers, acquisition entrepreneurs, like a search fund, ESOPs, private equity, and strategics. Each one of those exit options, Tim, will impact your leadership role and legacy. They'll eat, they'll both impact by your, uh, excuse me, principle one, your vision. What do you want from the business and your financial targets? Each one of those exits impact the valuation, the deal structure, your role post-closing, your ability to control the legacy post-closing. So based on principle one and two, then you layer those on your your five uh, exit options and you're saying, well, huh, based on what I want, why? An ESOP in four years might seem possible or maybe a third-party sale in two or maybe an internal transfer in seven. But you have context and clarity, which in my mind, in my world that I live in for my own self is I love to wake up and do hard work if I know. Like I'll climb over the Grand Canyon if I know that the other side is worth it. But if I don't know, how should we camp? Should we live in the Grand Canyon? I mean, like, how do you make those decisions? So with the first three principles, then we go to principle four, which is grow value. Growing value is growing the equity value of your business, the intrinsic equity value of your business, the, another way of saying the fundamentals, like in the stock market, by creating sustainable, predictable, transferable cash flow. The more sustainable, predictable, and transferable your cash flow is, the more your company's worth, aka the more the higher the multiple. And if you have your target equity valuation, what you want from your leadership role, and you've got then a synced up plan with your financials and creating that that uh, sustainable cash flow, you can reverse engineer the normalized EBITDA and valuation that, that you want in that timeline to say exactly what do we need to do between point A and point B. When are we financially free between point A and point B? Hopefully it's soon and not point B, mm -hmm. but maybe it's point B. Then principle five, hire the team of advisors, your wealth manager, your CPA, your banker, your attorney, investment banker, you know anybody that you need to surround yourself with so you can go to everybody and say, here's what I want and why. Here's what's important to me. Here are my targets. Help me. Instead of what my dad and I did is, Hire people and go, and they're just answering, they're, they're just asking us questions and we had no idea what we wanted. So how are they supposed to help us? So these five principles help snap that clear view or that, 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 that clearly identified outcome. And what do we need to do every single day to stay on track? Mm. A bunch of things. That was actually a good succinct description too. So thanks done for that. It a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. You've done that. This is the third time you've done that right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> to me, the step number one could be the most challenging. If I'm incorrect, where, where else do you see people really challenged with the process? Where is it either that they don't even get started with it? They don't come to you or once they get started, they kind of throw their hands up and say, this is kind of hard, uh, you know, and, and I think it's okay to admit it's hard. You know, some people say, oh, this is easy. No, this is not easy stuff. Simple, not easy. Totally. Absolutely. So I'll say, uh, I'll validate your point that principle number one is definitely the hardest. And um, our business and what I've done, I have, I have a personal passion for psychology and for like the mystics and religion 
and all this stuff. So like, why are we here is like a big, and how do we work is a big thing of mine. Principle number one is there because I know it's absolutely crucial. We have to do that. We have to start there. I don't have a practice, a psychology or a therapist practice or life coaching practice to help people figure that out. We handful, we have a handful of exercises. We address it. I, I suggest a bunch of resources and I, I just challenge people. You have to figure that out. And I was doing this Vistage workshop with this woman. I got done with this three hour workshop about these five principles. She's got like a $50 million business. And she goes, we we're doing the takeaway. She goes, I got to figure out what I want. And why? <laughs> like, out of all yes. of the practice, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, there's no engagement with me. Like, you're right, and good luck. It, it, so, like, it's so important because we can mechanically back into a plan if someone knows what they want and why. So, just validating what you said. And then, yeah. um, so the other question was, sorry, uh, you asked about, oh, where do people get hung up? So the yeah, uh, other other than that, where else some some other hangups or tough parts? Or it's like, oh my gosh. Yep. And this is not meant to be a commercial for our business. I want to be very clear about that too. So what happened was our, our Kona, our business mm -hmm. was an educational business first started in 2018, really started going in 2019. It was mm -hmm. boot camps and went, went virtual and we had 500 people go through the material pretty fast when it was virtual, Tim. Mm -hmm. And every single time people would look at principle four and how we were teaching the financials and be like, what are you doing there? And what would happen was like, we, we had this training business and honestly, I wanted to teach people how to fish. My entire goal, Tim, was I don't want to be a consultant that sucks off of the cash flow and is guiding towards an outcome that is not in the interest of the client. Because I didn't want that. I wanted someone just to teach me how the stuff works so I can make my own decisions. That was why right. I was education first. But what happened was we get all these people, like you'd be like, hey, Tim would be like, hey, can you give me some pointers? Because like, that was the best training ever. But like, I, I, like, I have a lot of work to do. And I'd be like, hey, shoot your financials over. And it'd be like an income statement from four months ago, or it'd be like tax returns, or it'd be an income statement with no cost of goods. And I'm like, I don't know where you're at at all. Like or, a shoe, or a shoebox full of receipts or something, you know, keepers. I have, I have actually gotten a, uh, I got a scan PDF once of 82 pages. It was carbon copy. It was the green bar. And I was just like, my team's going to love building a chart off of this so, See, I was joking. I, I was joking, <laughs> but I knew it probably existed. <laughs> so what, what really what happened, Tim, going back to my whole childhood of the D in accounting and teaching finance, the marketplace just pushed us to say, if you're going to teach people, you got to help them. And over and over and over, it was, well, how the heck do these numbers work where I can make decisions off of them? Yeah. And a lot of people would have like an income statement or balance sheet. They're looking at the balance sheet so they can go increase their line of credit for borrowing, but it wasn't you know, greasing the wheels to get them where they wanted to go. It was an admin task. And I'm sitting here going, what the hell? How am I supposed to help anybody if they don't know where they're at? And then over and over, over the years, Tim, I'm like, I can't believe how many people are getting consulting advice without the numbers. And how, here's how, here's how I think of, here's my analogy of how I see stuff going on, Tim. If I asked you, Tim, should I buy a cabin? How would you answer that? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. Can you, can you afford it? Is that your lifestyle? Or, like, do you or if you ask me, should you buy an RV? I don't know. I live in an RV. It's cool, <laughs> but it may not be for you. <laughs> So like, isn't that is so ridiculously straightforward every day. Business owners are looking at consultants going, should I hire a, a CEO? Should I, should I buy another company? Should I launch this new product? And I'm like, how the heck am I supposed to know? What's important but, to you? But what that does, 
that does get to something uh, I'll, I'll ask it here. It might fit here or not, is that there are many people that, that will dig down and do the work. And I don't think, I don't think people that are starting companies and all are lazy people. I don't because th they probably understand the, the amount of, work. of lazy usually, right? Usually. Yeah. They're kind of like their task and they're just going, going, going. But I do think there's a certain degree of people that want, instead of learning and, and, teaching themselves and all that, maybe some skills, they want it done for them. They want somebody mm -hmm. to do it for them. It sounds like y'all have added that component to Arcana. Is that correct? Correct. And um, the way that our, I would say like, because I just don't want to take credit for anything that we're really doing. I will take credit for listening to the feedback that the market has given me and iterating so I can deliver what people want. So I just right. want to be clear with that. Sure. So the three revenue sources that we have are very similar to like, so I like to give the analogy of the education is we teach people how to fish. You want to go fish? We're going to teach you how to fish. You're going to go do it on your own. Then if I jump past the middle one for a second, you're, you and your listeners familiar with EOS interaction? Oh yeah. Like, Gino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. So very, I mean, I'm in Minnesota. So like everybody bleeds orange here. So in the EOS function chart, our CFOs, it's the easy button, Tim, to your point. It's like, okay, got it. And so the CFO, fractional CFO services is the guided fishing trip. So it's like, okay, got it. I just want it all. And I want to participate as a bystander, as the visionary or CEO, while the CFO does all the hard work and gets the plan and I make decisions. That's not for everybody either. So we have in the last 18 months launched a financial dashboard offering where we're not on the function chart. So the CFO actually fills the responsibilities of that function chart, the so the finance leadership team. So they're actually owning the rocks. In the financial dashboard offering, we don't own any rocks, but what we did, we build that whole financial plan, that whole model for the company. And then we're helping the person in that function get the KPIs, understand it with decision-making. So it's kind of a, we're going to prep you for your own tr fishing trip. We're going to help you pack. We're going to help you plan and all that stuff, but it's not guided. You're going to eventually go on your own when you get there and you're going to have to portage yourself and do everything, but you've got support because we helped you plan. So it's kind mm -hmm. of like whatever version of you want to do it yourself, you want some help or you want the white glove. I truly don't care. It's just trying to match up people's resources and desires for control. Sure. Based on where they're at. Yeah. All that's great, Ryan. And I, I actually would love to spend 30 minutes on each one of these. However, <laughs> I'm looking at my time and I need to do a wrap here, but what I'd love for you to do now, I think I saw some resources that you had on your website. I know you've got the podcast. Go ahead and tell us, tell us where people can get more. And then I've got a couple questions before we finish up, but where can people connect with you, get more resources, find you podcast info, all that kind of stuff. This is, don't hold back. This is promote yourself time. <laughs> uh, the, 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 hopefully the easy part about this is it's just our website, arcona.io. So it's A-R-K-O-N-A.io. 342 podcasts that are an hour to an hour and a half are on there. We have a financial checklist and assessment that is a digital one with five videos of me explaining and teaching over the financials where if like you don't even want to engage, they can go watch the videos. It's over a spreadsheet with their CFO and do it themselves. Right. There's another, uh, there's five videos on the training. So like consume as much as they possibly can on, on the website. There's contact information for me. It's LinkedIn. You know, I'm, I'm pretty regularly will answer any, anybody that reaches out on LinkedIn, but 
the goal is like, go consume as much as you want. Cause I want to make sure that it's the right conversation. I don't want anybody wasting their time, but I think that's usually what most people are, are cherishing these days. Sure. Absolutely. We'll make sure all the links are down in the notes and everything. And so people can check that out. I, I do want to, there's one more little sort of frivolous question here. Uh, because this this episode, for those that are seeing it on YouTube and possibly social channels, is unofficially sponsored by True Classic T-shirts and by Fresh Clean Threads. Because when Ryan and I jumped on the line, I went, dude, man, I love your shirt. He goes, yeah, I love your shirt, too. We're both in our black T-shirts, um, which I guess is a uniform. Why, why do you wear black T-shirts all the time, Ryan? What's your answer? It's black t-shirts and, and this goes into almost all areas of my life is I systematize anything that is routine and I perfect it so that way I never have to think about it because I cherish what I th get to think about and I want to have discipline in the things that are routine so I can have as much freedom and creativity when I get to think about it. So I don't like to think about what I wear at all. <laughs> so, so why not purple or yellow or green? I can't match at all like like the thought of like because i wear i, I wear uh, gray jeans with my black tee and and i have black boots yeah it's so too my wife is like you just gotta wear some blue jeans like blue and black i don't know it just makes my brain hurt and like i have green eyes and she's like you should wear green t-shirts so i'm like I just don't, I'm like just neutral. So I can think about whatever I want. I don't have to like look at a blue t-shirt in my corner of my eye. <laughs> I was somewhere recently and I had on a, I put a blue dress shirt over my black t-shirt and I should have kept going with it because I literally got so many compliments. I mean, my wife, other women, men, wherever, like, oh my gosh, you look so good. In that. I think it was. Is so it some... you just were wearing something different? Uh, maybe, but my eyes are blue. Maybe the blue, maybe it popped. I, I don't know. You know, we, I, we, I I can tell we, we do have both a real ruggedly handsome look to us. I'm almost 60 years old. I had somebody tell me, you just wear black t-shirts because it make you look slimmer. I'm going, maybe. <laughs> but, but, but like, all right, so I'll, I'll add that to the column of why I should keep doing okay. this, but it wasn't the original. I, I'm, I'm good with it. So anyway, just just so we got that out of the way, if anyone from True Classic or Fresh Clean Threads wants to sponsor this episode, we are open And I will that. gladly take a free subscription to Black Tees. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it, absolutely. So anyway, hey, Ryan, we are Seek, Go Create. Those three words is how we describe ourselves here. And uh, I want to give you one of those words to choose over the other two. And why is my final question. Seek, Go, or Create seek and, and why i love learning and like my three principles or my four principles that i like not not the company principles is i like to learn i like to create so i was actually almost going to pick that one but i like to learn first then create then teach then lead and mm -hmm. i think they go in that order cool yeah and you can't i i don't think you can really teach until you seek and are learning yourself. So Ryan Tansom, thank you for this conversation and, and the intentional growth conversation that we had here. If you have listened in, I believe it's been a blessing to you. I think you've got a lot from it. I hope you go back and check the notes and look at our, uh, look at our outline and everything, but I can almost guarantee you that, you know, someone that needs to hear this, know someone that has an organization or their, they're beating their heads against the wall, trying to think of what they're going to do, or they just need some of the tips, ideas, and all that Ryan talked about. Take a screenshot, share this episode, share clips of it. If you're on YouTube, share the, share the, share the video. If you're on some of our socials, share 
this episode. I can guarantee you that they will thank you if you share it with them. Thanks for listening in. We have new episodes every morning, every Monday, excuse me. Until next time, continue being all that you were created to be.